On Friday, uh, I was in a geometry class, and I had a student right in the middle of class, which you have to expect this from from kids. Uh, but I had a, a geometry student ask me, and before I start, I'm sorry, I have to stop for just a second. Hey, Sam. Sam. I forgot to turn that TV on. Could you get it on? And you got to turn that little thing on the floor on. Thank you. I'm sorry. I had this uh, geometry student, he asked me, he says, right, I mean, right in the middle of class, and you've got to understand, that's, that's I, I usually get so excited when a kid raises his hand, I'm thinking, oh, a geometry question, I'm so excited, you know, ask, actually listening to me and asking a question about this, and uh, nine times out of ten, it's not, it's usually something random, you know, and uh, this day it was, he raised his hand right in the middle of class, and he goes, he goes, Mr. Harmless, he goes, what's, what's wrong with uh, society? Interesting, and uh, I, you, get, you get questions like that, you know. And I said, "Well, now there's a lot. There's a lot of, in my head. I'm thinking there's a, lot, there's a lot of ways you could answer that. What's wrong with society? I mean, but it's specifically society. What's wrong with society? Um, not what's wrong with people or what's wrong. It's what's wrong with the society. And I'm thinking the, how the society is. And I, and so I, I answered uh, what I believe. My response was. Well, I think one of the biggest problems that we're facing in America today with our society is the breakdown of family. Family is the, the foundational cornerstone of what society is all about. And uh, when that begins to break down in any society, and I said, and I'm not just saying this because this is my opinion, I'm just saying historically, when you see uh, societies have a breakdown of family, you see a breakdown of their society. Because society is built on, on family. And I believe... That's how God created it. And so, I, you know, I answered his question, and he said, well, how do you fix it? And I said, well, since you asked, I can answer that question. I said, uh, well, I said, you guys know I'm a pastor, and they all do. I said, and so, I said, I believe the answer to how to, to, to fix society, that cornerstone element of society is you know, fixing family, and I said, I, I believe the Bible tells us how, how to do that. I absolutely believe that. And they said, oh, interesting. And I think at that point, probably another kid raised their hand and said, can I go to the bathroom or something, you know, but it's, that's usually how it goes in a high school classroom. But I want you to know that I, I believe that answer. I think one of the problems in our society is, is a breakdown of family. We, we see it all around us. I mean, we're living right in the middle of a, a society that family is, is struggling. It's hard to be a family, isn't it? It's tough. There's a lot of things pulling at family and messing with family. And, and, and I personally don't believe, and we're going to get into this in Ephesians, uh, I don't believe that that's just what's happening in our world. I believe that Satan knows that family is important. And I believe he's doing everything he can to break it down, destroy family. And when you see a breakdown of family, you see a breakdown of, of society. Paul... In Ephesians uh, chapter 5, where we've been at, uh, was in the middle of talking about living life uh, as, as creatures of time. We were right in the middle of Ephesians chapter 5, and he was talking about how we ought to live, and, and he's talking about wisdom and things like that. And, and he kind of, he, he, he veers off in a certain direction. At the end of this bit, he, there was a big long sentence, verses 15 through 21, was one in the Greek, one big long sentence. He actually paused a tendency to do that in Ephesians. There are several places where he has these big, long sentences. 
in the Greek, you know, just kind of what we would think of as a carry-on sentence, but it's actually grammatically okay for, for the Greek language. And he gets down to the end of this big, long sentence talking about how we ought to, to sing and praise God as we got the Spirit. We're, we're filled with the Spirit of God. We ought to be singing and praising God and, and the, the giving thanks. And, but then he, he ends the sentence with a statement, submitting to one another. Let me get my slide going here. He says, uh, submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ, verse 21. Now that statement sends Paul into a whole new direction of thought. And he jumps into submitting. What does submitting to one another look like? What does that actually look like? And so last week, when he was talking about what does it look like, he started off by talking about wives and husbands. What does submission look like in in the home in that way? And we talked about that last week. This week, we're going to look at um, what does that look like with children and with parents. And it's interesting that Paul is veered into this. And, and why I bring the, that story up earlier is because when I say I believe the Bible tells us how to, how to structure our family and how to live fam- how to do those things, when I say that I think the Bible, ha- we're right in the middle of a section of Scripture that's actually doing that. It's telling us this is, this is what it looks like. This is, this is how God would have you. And, and what's neat is that did God not invent family? Yeah. He invented all these things. And last week you talked about the, the husband-wife relationship was actually invented to be a picture of something else. To be a picture of Christ and His church. Even before sin had entered into the world, he, God was already painting pictures of his, his, his plan for our salvation into the very fabric of our society. And I think that's amazing. But now this week we're going to talk about children and parents. So let me read this passage. This is one that we've probably all heard several times. Uh, let's read it here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, I think it's interesting in this passage, in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, first of all, there are not a lot of places in the Bible that are addressed specifically to children, are there? But this place is. Specifically, the beginning of this, Ephesians chapter 6, is says children. It's addressed to the children. Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Now, there's some places in Proverbs that we could say are probably addressed directly to the children uh, there's some different places in the Bible that are addressed to children, but this is one of the few places that is just addressed directly to children. What is interesting about that is that means that Paul uh, knew and assumed that children would be reading and learning these letters that he was sending, right? I mean, because if he can write in the middle of a passage, just say, hey, specifically, hey, husbands do this, wives do this, children do it, he's assuming this is all part of that audience, Right? Paul is assuming that in a church situation, what is going to be taught is going to also be taught to the children. And he just assumes that. And he, he, he doesn't say, I mean, he could have said, now when you're t- telling your children, tell the children to obey. The, it doesn't say that. It says, children, obey the parents and the Lord, for this is right. But that's the key right there. The children should obey. I know you're thinking right now, well, of course. <laughs> right? Of course they should. They should all obey. I hope that they do. Right? This is not, not, not a difficult, challenging passage as far as like what, what, what we're hearing. But 
the emphasis of this word obey is on this idea of listening. In fact, the word that's translated obey here, in some places in the Bible, is translated answer. The, the emphasis of this obedience that Paul's talking about is, is hearing and responding. Now, how many of you that have been parents or are parents know exactly what that's about, right? When you call from the other room, come here, what do you want? Don't you want an answer? <laughs> you want them to respond to your voice? I mean, that's what this obedience is about. There's a desire to have them respond to your voice and hear what you're saying and make that response. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about, The children should obey. But then he gives some reasons why this is so important. The first reason he gives is this, reason number one. Uh, uh, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, this is a this statement modifies that obedience in in the Greek grammar. It modifies. It goes back and it's saying talking about this obedience. This this is obedience in the Lord. Now, this is good because uh, th- this kind of dispels any of those possible contradictions of obedience. Ultimately, we're to obey God, right? And so Paul's saying, obey your parents. In the Lord. And it's modifying that obedience to say, it's, it's talking about those things that, so in case you have a parent that says, you know, go commit murder, <laughs> or don't listen to the Bible, or, or you know, do, do this evil thing. If, if, if that were a situation that were to come up, well, then obviously, what would trump? The Lord, right? So as, as, as far as the parents' commands are not going outside of what the Lord might have, you should obey your parents' In the Lord. It also gives a, not only does it modify, it gives a, a motivation. Uh, I, I'm teaching at a public school right now, but I've taught at uh, Christian schools before. And one of the most interesting things is I'll, I'll have kids that will say, I, I want to be a missionary when I grow up. I want to I go be a missionary. And I want to serve the Lord. And that's exciting when you hear kids say that. That's just exciting. Like, man, that, that's great. I hope that you do that. I hope that you, you're able to serve the Lord with your life. But uh, you haven't done your homework in a week. Right? See, this obedience to the Lord, there's a reality that your obedience that you do now as a child, as children are obeying, they're serving God. They're obeying in the Lord. And so I would tell kids, you want to be a missionary? Start by doing your homework. You want to do what God wants you to do? He's giving you stuff to do right now. You don't have to wait. You can start today being a servant of Jesus Christ. You could, you could die before you get out of high school and stand before God and He could say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because what I gave you to do, you did. Well done. See, that, that's a great thing. It's such a motivation that you don't have to go out and do some big, amazing thing for, for to get up to heaven and say, you know, oh, God said, well, now you did something amazing. Well done. No, it's about being a servant. And the things that you've done to serve God, that's what, is, that's what is, it's all about. And so the, we can encourage kids to be obedient in the Lord, that you're, you're actually, when you obey the parent, you're, you're obeying God. And you're doing what God has for you. As you obey the parent, that's what it's going to do. Now, so you don't have to wait. And so it's, it can serve as such a, such a motivation uh, and encouragement. It modifies that obedience. It, it gives that umbrella of this is for the Lord, but also is an encouragement. But number two, Paul gives a second reason here. He says, uh, children, obey your parents the Lord, for this is... Right. right. This is right. Now, this goes against, whether you think it does or not, I'm talking for just a moment as a, a high school teacher. This idea goes against so much of what you hear today. Now, think about it. Next time you, you're watching a show, in fact, I was just reading a book this week 
and, and it, it, talking, it was a, it was a, a, a fictional story, and, and it's talking about the kid. So much of what our kids hear today from TV, books, I mean, everything, is that mom and dad, the adults, are a bunch of idiots. The right thing to do is to question everything they tell you. You've got to question your authority as much as possible. That's what they hear all the time. And I, I get so bothered sometimes because you, 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 so many cartoons and things like that. You've got these kids that are super bright, and then you've got these parents that are you know, uh, dimwits. You know what I'm talking about? And, and they're being fed this all the time. But understand that according to Scripture, obeying your parents, you don't have to wonder what the right thing is. What's right or righteous or just, this word can be translated as just, good, right, righteous. The righteous thing for kids to do is to be obedient. See, we, we live in a society where it's elevated. This rebellion is elevated. Would you not agree with that? Am I, am I crazy here thinking this? I mean, I, I, I watch so much, and rebellion is the thing that's elevated. You know, obey if you have to, but man, if you can, you know... That's the, that's the right thing. Now, they wouldn't call it right. But in a sense, that, that's what they look at is the higher standard. This rebellion is looked at as possibly even the higher standard. And I'm telling you right now, in God's economy, it is not the higher standard. Obedience is right. It's good. It's just. Okay? Now, remember, we go back to the first part, in the Lord... So we're not talking about a parent that were, would come up and tell their kids, hey, do this evil thing, right? We're not talking about that. Clearly those things are covered, which that's usually where kids go anyway. Well, if it's right, what if my dad says, that? well, okay, that, those things are covered in that, right? Well, what if they say this? Well, that, that's under, under this umbrella of in the Lord. As your parents are telling you to do things that's not contrary to the Lord, then you can assume it's in the Lord. No matter what they're telling you to do, unless it defies God, you ought to obey God rather than men. But as long as it's not defying what God said, then, then, then you need to obey it. And that's right. It's good. It's pleasing to God. And you can encourage your kids with, oh man, you, don't you understand? This is the right thing to do. The adults are really not the out-of-touch idiots that TV portrays them to be to begin with. Okay? Scripture over and over again portrays uh, age and, and, and connects it with, with maturity, connects it with wisdom. Right? It's not the youth. In fact, the Bible says that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Right? And it's true. If you have kids, you know. <laughs> Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, right? We know it. But I can remember that even hearing that as I was growing up. Songs that said, there's no need to argue. Parents just don't understand. <laughs> right? Wrong. But let me give you a third reason that Paul gives. Not only is it in the Lord, not only is it under this, what God would have for children, God's will for your lives, those that are kids that are still in here, as you're talking to your kids, you can know God's will for them. God's will for them is to be obedient to you. That's part of what God wants from them, right? It's in the Lord. It's the right thing. They don't have to wonder what God has for me. This is the right thing. But Paul gives a third reason. He goes and does what we do so often to to evidence that it's the right thing. He goes to Scripture. And so we'll put it this way. It's biblical. And Paul's going to go back to an Old Testament passage, right? In the Old Testament, Paul literally says this, and when he gives his third reason, he says this. He says, honor your father and mother. It's a quotation. I bet you know where that's quoting from too, don't you? Where's that coming from? Where does it? 
Deuteronomy is one place where it's at. It's in a couple more places. But what 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 category of of what, I mean, where do you see this this command at? Yes, there we go. The Ten Commandments, right? Uh, and the, the the place I have it quoted from is Exodus uh, chapter twenty twelve, but it is also in Deuteronomy. Exodus twenty twelve says, "Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you." And so Paul is going back to this Old Testament passage, one of the Ten Commandments. Well, I think it's so interesting that right in one of those Ten Commandments, here is this command to honor your father and your mother. Honor them. Now, the word honor means to revere or respect. It means literally to place value in that person. If you're going to honor somebody, you're, you're valuing them. You're, 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 you're treating them as something that, and someone that is valuable to you. Right? That's what it means to honor somebody, is you're going to value that person. And what's interesting is that Old Testament command is not actually written to children. The Ten Commandments, it wasn't directed specifically. It's not like he was given these Ten Commandments and he stopped and he said, Oh, uh, I got one for the kids too, honor your father and mother. And then he got back to the rest of the Ten Commandments. No, that honor your father and mother is, uh, was addressed to everybody, right? In fact, Jesus uses that command uh, when he's talking to the Pharisees. The Pharisees had this, this habit of, uh, they, they wanted to keep their money. They were a little, you know selfish about it, and they, they didn't want to uh, spend their money to take care of their elderly parents. And so the way that they could keep from doing that is that they would say, well, this is the Lord's money. And Jesus says, you're doing this, and you're saying, it's, you're, saying you're giving it to God, but you're, you're forsaking one of these commands, honor your father and your mother. And so Jesus was using that command to talk about how important it is to, even as an adult, to honor your parents. Right? Honor your father and mother. Respect them. Place value in those parents that are elderly. And so Jesus uses it with adults. But here Paul focuses it in on children. And what's interesting is notice that Paul, when he gave his command, he didn't say honor your father and mother. He's quoting the honor your father and mother. But what did he say to do for kids? What was it? Just a few seconds ago, what did we say? Obey. Now I have to say, you know, is Paul trying to change it? No, he's, he, he does what we do so often with kids, isn't he? honor your father and mother. What's that mean? What's that look like? See, with a kid, you have to bring it down. You say, what, what it looks like, what honor for a child looks like? Obedience. In fact, I can honestly say there is nothing that speaks honor to me. As a, I'm, I'm talking as a parent right now. There's nothing that speaks honor to me more than when my kids obey me. I'm saying, I, there's just nothing. When, well, if I say, hey, could you do this? And they just do it. There is nothing that, that just... I, mean, I just almost feel it. I can feel it, you know. Man, when, when they just they just get up, and they hop up, and I'm 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 right now thinking. I hope they're listening to me because <laughs> they're both in here. Oh man, I hope they're listening to me. Yeah, there's no, Oh, see, look, he's looking at me now. Uh, there's nothing that speaks honor to me as much as when my kids. But I think that way as a teacher as well. When I feel res- respected by my kids. Now, I'm always attempting to be respectful to them. I, te- I try to teach them about respect as a, as a teacher, that it's not earned. It's something you can give freely to anybody. They don't have to earn it, right? You can give respect to anybody. And, but I'll, I'll t- I, I can tell you right now, when I have a, a student, I say, hey, could you, could you do that for me? And they go, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing that speaks honor more or respect more than quick obedience, good obedience, and I absolutely believe that that's what Paul's doing. He's saying, here's the evidence, here's the biblical evidence, honor your father and your mother. But as, he, as he's presenting it to the children, he's saying, what that means, kids, is obey. That's how you can fulfill this command, you obey. Now, as he does this, 
he uh, after oh, I'm sorry, I just lost my place. After he does this, he he goes into uh, another reason, right? Right in the middle of quoting this Old Testament passage, he throws something else in there. Uh, and so I'm going to give you this fourth reason that Paul gives why uh, it's important to obey, and he gives this reason because there's a promise. There's a promise attached to this obedience, to this honoring of your parents. Notice that what did that uh, that passage say? Well, let's look at how Paul puts it. He says, he says, he says, honor your father and mother. And then what's he throw in there? He adds a, an extra statement there of his own. He says, this is the first commandment with a promise. And then what's the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land? Let's. I need to go down a short little rabbit trail here. Paul said, this is the first commandment with a promise. Is that actually true? Is that the, really the first commandment with a promise? Now, the second command has a statement, a general statement uh, of, in general, if you, if, if you don't worship any other gods, then, then God's going to bless you, and it kind of talks about that. But in the Ten Commandments, in the scope of the Ten Commandments, the first command that has specifically attached to it a promise is that fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. Now, there's commandments that God has given before. If you go back, way back in Genesis, there's times where God says, you do this and I'll do this, and you do this. There, there's lots of times where God promises different things, but in the scope of these commands... This is the first one that has a promise. Notice if we go back to Exodus 20.12, what it actually says. It says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So there's this promise attached to it. So the second thing we have to ask, not only, okay, is that accurate? Yeah, Paul's right on. This is the first real commandment with a promise. But what's this promise about? I mean, what's, what's he promising if you honor your father and mother? What did he say? Here, I'll go back. I'll let you cheat. All right, what's he say? You may live long in the land. What land is he talking about in Exodus? The promised land, right? The promised land. And for the Israelites, they had just left Egypt, and they were headed to what was going to be the nation of Israel. They are headed to the land of Canaan. And he's saying, hey, if you want to live long in the land, be there a long time, this is one of the key commands for that to happen. Okay? One of the key commands for that to happen. And so I want to propose to you a couple possible meanings for this promise. Because clearly, hey, you know, that promise doesn't hold much for me. I, I'm not going to go to my sons and say, hey, honor, you need to honor your parents and, so that you'll live long in Canaan. <laughs> right? That's not, that wouldn't make much sense to them. Why, you know, how does that? And notice Paul doesn't even say that, does he? Doesn't he say, you'll live long in the land? He drops the land that your father is giving you, right? He, he, he drops off the land that the Lord is giving you. He just says, you may live long in the land. And so, in fact, some versions say that you may live long on the earth, right? So I want to, I want to propose two possible meanings for this, and I think that they, mo- they both might actually be true. One is I think there's a general fulfillment of that command, going back to what I talked about at the beginning, just in society. If you have a society that is structured on children being obedient and growing up in that way, that there's something about that that, that impacts society as a whole. There's, because if you have kids that are honoring their, their parents as they are young, as they get older, they're going to continue to do that. They're going to continue honoring their parents. And in a, in a big scale, not individually, because that's our challenge. See, because I, I, you, you read this promise, you think, yeah, but I know this guy that was super honorable to his parents, and he died at like in his 20s, Right? I mean, you think, well, how does how is God fulfilling that command? I, I know this case where somebody was honoring and this person died. So how is God fulfilling that? So one possibility is that God honors this promise on a large-scale way 
by saying, uh, uh, if you have a society that is honoring their parents, if you have a culture that honors their parents, that's a culture that's going to begin to grow and establish, and you're going to live long in the land, long on the earth, by a, a society that is structured this way. Right? That's one possible meaning. I think there's another possible meaning. And I want to propose to you that this is the one that I lean towards. I want to propose to you that this promise is fulfilled in a certain way. Because in, under the new covenant, under Christ, the land that, the, that God is giving us is not, no longer the land of Canaan. In fact, Christians so often, they don't look just with temporal eyes about what's going to happen here. Don't we so often see the Christians of the New Testament looking beyond that to something else? Heaven. Right? A new heaven, a new earth. You know, the Bible doesn't teach that you go off and you float up and you're, you're, you're hovering up in the clouds for eternity. He actually says that he's coming back. He's going to bring everybody back with him. And, and he's going to establish a new heaven, a new earth. He's going to re- recreate everything. That you may live long on this earth. I want to propose to you this. Raising children and teaching them obedience is one of the best possible ways to show your children what's it, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm proposing to you. And children that are, are obeying their parents, they begin to build this connection about what obedience looks like. See, because we're not saved by our obedience. As Christians, we're not saved by obeying God. But there's no greater way to show that we have put all of our value in Jesus Christ than by obedience. Right? And there's no greater way for kids to show that they are placing honor or value on their parents than by obedience. And one of the best ways you can begin to point people to Jesus is teaching them the importance of the fact that Jesus is Lord. And when you're obeying me, you're ultimately obeying him. It's not about me. It's not just about me. And teaching your kids to obey is pointing them to Christ the Lord of all, the Savior of the world. That's what you want them to see anyway, isn't it? And that's what you want them to have their eyes set on, is this Lord of all, set as our Lord. Now, if that's true, that can begin to give you this desire to recognize how important it is to parent correctly. So many parents go wrong because they're parenting for the wrong reasons. They're parenting for behavior. Right? If you parent for behavior, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Because they're not going to always behave right. You don't parent for behavior. You don't parent for the the outcome. You're parenting ultimately for their sake and for the Lord's. To to bring glory to Him. It's not about you. that, That can begin to change everything as a parent. You begin to realize this and you're thinking... Well, this isn't really about the fact that my kid's interrupting my, my time sitting in my lazy boy chair. This is more about the fact that I want to point them to Jesus Christ. And I want them to learn obedience, not because it makes my life easier. That's where so many parents go wrong. They, they want their kids to obey because it makes their life easier. I'll be the first one to say, I've been in that position. Anybody else say, I, I've, parent, I've, I've wanted my kids to obey because they're annoying me. <laughs> right? They're, they're driving me crazy. You've got to obey because I've got to do something else, right? And you're just driving me nuts. And, and no, if, you're, if you're going that, you're, you're missing the point of what parenting can and should be all about. And, and just like with, with husbands and wives that God structured into that, that he made 
marriage to be a picture of what he was going to do eventually with Christ. I believe also that he created family, offspring, that whole idea to show what it means to have God as Father and Jesus as Lord and Christ as a a joint heir with us. He wants us to see this bigger family structure. So we have family because that's what he wants us to see. And that's what he wants us to learn. It's not just about us. There's something bigger going on. And so many of us miss that point. But Paul tells us next how to parent. See, he talks about mutual submission. And just like he did with husbands and wives, he talked about you know, wives and then he talked about the husband. He's going to do the same thing now with the, the parents and the children. And Paul's going to do something extremely counter-cultural for his day. In Paul's day, children had absolutely no rights. You're thinking, well, that's not different. Our kids don't have any rights at all. No, they really didn't. In fact, in Paul's day, the father of the home had the ability legally, he was, he was judge and jury for his family. In Paul's day, the father, if he chose to, he could execute the death penalty on anyone in his home legally. In Paul's day, uh, and there's, there's tons of historical documents back this up. There's letters where people have written and said, this is what you need you to do. In Paul's day, if, if there was a child that they said, well, we don't really want this child, they would just leave it outside. That was, the tr- that was the custom for them. Children had no rights at all. And the father was judge, jury, executioner, everything all wrapped into one. He could do anything he wanted to with his family. They were his. And he could respond any way he wanted. He could do whatever he wanted, even killing them. He had that right. They belonged to him. And so Paul, when Paul, this is what I was talking about last week, that, that as, as you read Scripture, the thing about reading and studying a book that's so old is that it stands outside of time. And we can look at it, and, and, and sometimes there's certain cultures where it fits in perfectly, and there's other times where it's going to go against what culture teaches. In Paul's day, this went extremely against, what I'm going to tell you next, what Paul said, went extremely against what they were used to and accustomed to. And we're going to hear it. It doesn't sound so far-fetched, but for them, this would have been dramatic. In fact, if you ever ask the question, I've heard pastors say this before, if you've ever asked the question, what impact did Christianity have in the world? What positive impact? Well, one positive impact that Christianity has had in this world is the status of women and children. Paul was countercultural to his day, and there was nothing like it until Paul came along and started preaching this gospel. And we can look directly back to that and say, thank God that he intervened in this way. But now, let's look at how Paul says, uh, how counterculture he is and how much he goes against their culture. The very first thing he says for the fathers is this. He says, don't provoke. And so how, number one, how do we do this parenting God's way? Number one, it's not about provoking. Now, this word is talking about literally like pointing, like pushing towards anger pushing the kid towards anger, provoking them to wrath. That's literally what it's talking about. We get a little bit more insight from Colossians chapter 3. Uh, Paul, in a parallel passage, says this about the same thing. He says, Fathers, do not provoke your children. And he adds a little extra thought there. He says, Lest they become discouraged. And so you begin to understand by putting these things together. You know, kids love this. Kids love this part, don't they? Ah, oh, Dad, it says, don't make me mad. Is that what it's talking about? No. Because clearly what he, where Paul goes next doesn't mean just don't make them mad. It's, it's more than that. It's talking about an unjust form of parenting. 
right? Unjust form of parenting where, where you're unfair and unjust and you're not doing... Now, I know that kids will claim that all the time. That's not fair, right? But there must be in parenting, in biblical parenting, where your goal is not to provoke. And I think there's something even deeper here, not just unjust. But the thing is, what motivates kids? And some of us think the way to get kids motivated to do the right thing is pushing their buttons. And that's not it. Paul says you're to parent not by provoking them, right? But he gives an alternative. And so what he says next is this, how number two, he says, bring them up. This, this is actually one word in the original, this bring them up is a word that means nourish, right? Nourish them. Give them what they, they need. Bring them up. It's, it's this gentle bringing them up, letting them grow. It means to nurture, to nourish them to maturity. It's, there's the idea of feeding in there. There's the idea of care and concern in there. And so Paul says it's not about provoking them to do the right thing. It's about bringing them up, nourishing them. And what a picture of what God does for us, isn't it? Bringing us into what we need, like a good shepherd, guiding us where we need to go. And then he gives two other things here. He says, bring them up, and he says, bring them up in discipline, right? Discipline, this word in the original, discipline is a good explanation of what this word means. It's, It's talking about the whole scope of education, Right? Not just the punishment, but the whole scope of, of bringing... It's, it's like the word discipline that we might use, like uh, a, a certain uh, understanding of things. You, you've learned this discipline, right? You've learned the, 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 the discipline of teaching, or you've learned the discipline of this, or you've learned this discipline. We're bringing them up in the discipline of the Lord. And so we're to nourish them by, by, by through this discipline. But also he says this... Um, he says also instruction through discipline and bring them up in the discipline and the instruction. Uh, if you put these two things together, what a great thing. The instruction focuses on the vocal aspect. I've seen it stated before when your kids are young, there's, there, there's a lot of discipline and a little bit of instruction. And the older they get, the, the, the amount of teaching you do with your kids increases and the amount of discipline you have to do should decrease until, until as they're leaving the home, it's, it's almost all just teaching and showing them. And this is what you need to do, and this is how you need to do this. Now, this is a big challenge for parents. I want to show you how I've attempted to do, do this passage. And so I'm going to ask Samuel to come up here. He didn't know I was going to make him come up here. Come up here for a second, son. When I began to understand this passage, one of the things that I, I began to do, now see, he's tall now, so it's not, as, not the same as it used to be. But... Uh, I would bring him, and we usually went into the, well, here, where did we usually go when we had this conversation? What room? Bathroom. The bathroom, yes. We would usually go off into the bathroom. And I would, I would sit him down, and I'd say, okay, if I, it's not about provocation. Uh, the first thing I'd have to do is, sometimes I'd have to sit him in there first, and I'd say, okay, go, go off in there. You know, just go in there for a minute. I'll pee in in a minute. And because one of the things I did not want to do is I did not want to discipline out of anger, because I, I knew it wasn't about me. Now, I'd like to be able to say I've never done that, but that's not true. But I've made a great effort to say, Lord, I don't want to discipline out of anger. It's not about me. It's not about behavior. It's not about how it's affected me. There's something else that I want him to see. And so I'd usually send him in there, and I'd bring him in, and, and I'd sit him down, and, and this is the passage that we would go to. And I, so I'd say, okay. I said, I want you to read this, and I'm going to make you do this. He's done this many times. I'd make you do this. I'd say, okay, read the first verse. Go ahead, read it. 
Children, obey your parents and Lord, for this is right. Okay, now stop right there. That's what I do. I say, stop right there. Now, what, what does it say? What does God want from you as a child? And you'd say... For me to obey you. Yeah. Do you feel like you're in trouble right now? Yes. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times we've done this. So many times. Okay. And then I'd say, okay, now, and what's, the, what's the second thing there? Go ahead and read the second verse. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. Yeah, this is the first commandment. So I said there's two things that God wants of children. He wants them to obey, and he wants them to respect. That's what God wants of you. That's why I tell you. That's what God wants of you. He wants you to obey, and he wants you to respect. That's God's will for your life. We don't have to try to figure it out. And God has spoken to you from his word. And I said, now, have you done that? And right now you're fine, but... <laughs> Usually I'd say, now, have you, have you done that? And he'd say, no. No. i say, okay, now, I want you to look at what the next part says. And I'd have him skip down and say, verse, verse 4, go ahead and read it for me. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay. I'd say, now, you know, God's got something for me to do, too. God's got, God wants me to bring you up, to raise you up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That means that, that, that means that there's two things that I need to do. Your job is to obey and respect. My job is to, to bring you up and to do it in a right way where I'm not provoking you. Right? But do it in a way that says, I want to bring you up in discipline. I want to bring you up in instruction. And I, you know, and I want to obey God. Because really, this is about me and God too, isn't it? I and mean, this is what God has for me, and this is what I need to do. So I say I got to obey God, and so I say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, and I'm now. I, I'll, then I'd say, you know what? This is what I'm doing right now. Am I not bringing? Am I not doing the instruction part right now? And he'd say, yeah. But what's the other thing I got to do? Discipline, right? But it's done out of love. There's a bigger goal in mind. You can sit down. You're not really in trouble, right? Now, that's how I've sought to do that in my life, to say, okay, number one, I, I'm not, no matter what they do, I don't want to lose it, right? Because it's not about me. I want them to see God. And so I can say that 99% of the time, what you just saw, that's what it looked like in our home. Sit down, and we go through this passage of Scripture. This is what it means. This is what it looks like. Now, it would be silly of me to focus on the parenting aspect only. Because I know that most of you in this room, in fact, probably the majority, there's, there's just a few of you that are still parents in, with little children, right? There's a few of us. Um, many of you are, are out of that stage or, or not in that stage. We've got grandparents in here, right? We've got, a, we've got a lot of different situations. So if I were to just focus on this... Some of you go, I hope that those two people in the room are listening, <laughs> right? That's, that's not what it's about. It would be silly for me to do that. And so I had to ask the question as I was going through this, Lord, what, what does this mean for our church, for the people that are actually going to be there hearing this? What does this mean for them? And uh, it took me all week to, to just, just chew in on this over and over again through the week. And I thought, Lord, how does, how, what does this mean? Because I, I, if I was talking to a bunch of parents, I'd know what to say and I'd know how to present it. But what does it mean for our church? And here's what I believe it means. We want to be a church that loves children, right? Loves children and supports parents. 
We want to be the kind of church that loves children and supports parents. Because this parenting, that's hard, isn't it? In fact, I, I would not be surprised if some of you, as I was going through this, may have thought, I didn't do that very well. <laughs> I think I messed up a few times along the way. But understand that the gospel has for you, what the gospel has for you today is not about beating yourself up if you've not done it well. See, because we ultimately know that God is ultimately the Father. We're just trying to be a picture of what He is. God is ultimately the Father over every child on this planet. And He's the one that's the parent. He's the one that's responsible. We're, we're under that. And so the goal is not to say, man, how I messed up. The goal is that any time that God presents Himself to you... See, if He wanted you to know all this stuff earlier, he would, have, he would have made sure you knew it. But He's revealing it to you now. And maybe there's a reason why He wants you to know this stuff now. Well, I don't have little kids anymore. What am I supposed to... Are you a grandparent? How can you help... How can you support your children in their parenting? How can you do that? You're at church. How can you support the parents that are here at this church in their, in their parenting? Right? And so, these are the two things I think we need to focus on as a church. And so, the first one there, loves children. We need to love kids. I think we do a pretty good job at this. we got, we got a lot of little kids that come here on different days. I, we, we love those kids. If, if you ever see us acting like we don't love it, lo, love those kids, it's not true. We love them. <laughs> right? We do. And we want to see as many kids as possible. We, we, we would love to have a church full of kids. Right? We love kids. Uh, I, I always think of, uh, in Matthew chapter 19... Uh, where you hear Jesus, his disciples are saying, get, and you see some of that culture coming through with the disciples, get the kids out of here, right? What's Jesus do? He was also very countercultural, right? What's he do? Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Jesus loved children. We sing the song, right? Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. The scripture teaches us so much more that he does love you. And, he, and, and people say, don't, don't, no, bring them. We want kids, we want to encourage them to come and hear what's taught. I know that many of you, uh, at one point when you were a child, heard stories taught about Christ. And maybe there was a time where you got away from it. But those things that you heard as a child just never left. And eventually the, they sunk in and you said, I know I need to get back. To this, it, I just want to ask anybody would say that that's I, I can vouch for that. I can remember hearing things when I was a kid, and it eventually played a role in my life. Absolutely, I, I'll raise my hand too. I know that there are things that that I, I heard when I was a child, and those things were there. And it's so valuable when we, we need to realize that the, the people that go back and, and are teaching those kids back in Sunday school and children's church that is such a valuable, important thing that we're doing. We're helping. We're helping parents. It, telling them about the Lord. We want them to see those things and hear those stories and, and, and learn what a great God there is. We want them to know those things. That is not a, a trivial thing. We're not just trying to babysit so we can be in here away from them for a minute, right? No, we're, we're, we want them to see Jesus. We want them to see Jesus. And we want, don't want to hinder them. We want to bring them to Christ and show them who He is. I was talking, I was listening to uh, something the other day. This pastor was sharing how he said, he was talking about how he doesn't know when he got saved. He's like, I don't know when it was. I think it could have been here, here. I don't know. And, and you know, the thing is, he said, he said, I used to not like that. I used to like thinking I know exactly when it happened. He said, but what a great thing for a kid to be able to say as they get older. Like, I don't, I don't remember. I, 
only thing I can ever remember is following Jesus. From my youngest days, I remember. There was a time specific. I know there's a time, but when it was, I don't know, because that's all I can remember is following Christ. I don't remember anything else. I remember some time in my life when I was rebellious, but I look back over all my days, and there's some people that are like that from my youngest days. What a great thing to grow up in church and hearing those things, and, 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 and regardless, you just, I don't know when the specific time came. And that's what we should expect so often with kids that are growing up in churches. Not, not to be able to go back and say, I know it was this time, but to say, I, I just, I've always loved Jesus as far back as I can remember. I know there must have been a time when, when Christ entered my heart. I know that had to happen, but I couldn't tell you when it was. But we need to support parents as well. Be a church that supports parents. We do this by teaching, encouraging. Uh, we can do this by making people feel welcome when they bring their kids, loving those kids. I think we're doing a pretty good job at this. I think that those that have kids that come show up, I think that they would say, yeah, I I feel like my kids are welcome here. And we want to keep that going. We don't want to ever lose that. We want to make sure that every child that walks in these doors, they feel welcome to be here and safe, right? A place where they can come and they can learn about Christ, and we want that kind of church. The truth is, there's probably things that we could learn from those kids anyway, isn't there? What does Jesus say? Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like what? Children. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We need to be around kids. Don't ever let yourself get to the place where you just don't want kids around. Right? Don't ever get to the place where you, Jesus even talks about whoever despises one of the little ones of mine. It would be better if he had a millstone hung around his neck and thrown into the sea. Right? We need to understand that there's, there's such a great value in the kids that God brings to this church. And we want to pray that God helps us know how to encourage parents to be good parents. Right? And we want to love those kids. We want to help them in whatever way we can. We want to teach them about Jesus. We want to show them what church looks like. And how a church can be, how it loves, right, and cares. We don't want them to miss that because ultimately we want them to see Jesus. We want them to live long on the new earth, right? And if they can learn obedience here and we can teach them about Christ here, the, the promise, I believe, is fulfilled when they begin to make that transition from it's not just about obeying my parents, it's about obeying the Lord following after him. And they'll spend eternity, that's long, on the new earth. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I I do, I thank you for kids. Lord, I praise you for for children. I spend most of my days as a teacher around kids and they can be challenging at different times. And especially in those teenage years, Lord, they can be such a challenge But Lord, I know that you love kids. Lord, help us as a church to be the kind of church that loves children and cares for children and prays for children and teaches children. Lord, help us not to grow weary in doing things like children's church and Sunday school and and, and, and showing those things. Lord, help us not to grow weary in helping, Lord, and helping parents that are here and and, 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 and helping them look just look out for the kids and while they're here, it's like one big family. Lord, help us not to lose that. Lord, help us to continue to be patient and caring. 
Lord, I thank you for children. Lord, I thank you for the kids that you've brought here. Lord, every week we, we, we get a few more, it seems like, and I'm so thankful for that. What a great thing. Lord, I pray that you would begin to raise them up, Lord, to be the next generation uh, of this church. Lord, we're not going to be around here forever, Lord. We want to we see this church full of people who've, who've loved you for a long time. Lord, we love to see new people coming in that are, that are just meeting Jesus for the first time as adults. But Lord, we also want a church full of people that, like Timothy, who from childhood knew about you. Lord, we want to see people like that growing up in church and knowing about you and are strong in the faith and, and, and continue to be that way. Lord, we know we can't do this without you. Lord, we know left to our, uh, on our own, Lord, every single one of us would, would fail miserably at parenting. And Lord, we probably have. And so, Lord, I also want to thank you that you are our heavenly Father. Lord, that you are gracious. Lord, that you're raising us. And just like a, 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 an earthly parent chastises his children and raises his children and teaches them, Lord, we know that you're, you're even better at it. You're perfect at it. And you bring discipline into our lives when we need it. You bless us when we need it. You provide exactly what we need. We never have to doubt. Help us to keep you in view as our Heavenly Father for us to be better fathers and mothers. Lord, help us to be better grandparents, aunts, uncles, Lord, brothers. Lord, help us to grow in our families with you at the center as our example to follow. Lord, help us to live as an example for other people to see and to know what you're like. Lord, I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.